I'm Lee Larie. And I'm Nick B. Listen, we're just two single girls from the City of Roses discussing all things love, lust, and perception. And roses are a symbol of all things beautiful about love. But as you know, love can get a little dirty. So we're here to talk about it. Dirty Roses Podcast starts now. Hey, I'm Lee Larie. And I'm Nick B. And welcome to Dirty Roses Podcast. Now, today we are talking about something that we know absolutely nothing about because we don't have the parts for this. Right. But... <laughs> We get lots of questions when we talk about love, lust, and relationships and perceptions and all those things about men's perspectives. We get conversations and questions about the thought process, gender roles, uh, being masculine. I get called masculine all the time. So you did wear the pants in the most relationships. <laughs> the one. Um, <laughs> so today we are joined by two amazing men. Um, I had a conversation with one, Drew. Hello, how are you doing? Good, um, good. And he shared some really great insight that I thought would be great for the show. Okay. And so I'm actually going to pass the buck to you okay. to introduce your friend of over 20 years. Yay. Yay. All right. Well, we are pleased to have Mr. Drew Dukeshire here on the show with us today. We go back to high school. And I remember one of my first interactions was homecoming. I remember the... Uh, the cheerleaders, so we uh, supported the guys when they were on the field. Now I got to wear your jersey for the day. <laughs> it was probably just because I was a bigger cheerleader and needed a bigger size. You feel me? Uh-huh. <laughs> but nonetheless, like this is a stand-up guy, great athlete. Um, just I think everyone who's ever met you has always had like really positive things to say. So I was really thrilled and excited to get you on our show today. I appreciate it. Yeah. And then we also have another guest joining us that was actually referred to us by a mutual friend, Mr. Uh, Blaze. He's joining us. He is actually a therapist. And I'm going to let you give a little bit more information specifically about your profession and how you got there. Okay. All right. So uh, my name is Blaze Harris. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor here uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I was a firefighter for 14 years before I joined, before I left and became a mental health counselor. So my main focus when I do therapy is black men and first responders, because both of those groups are groups who are not just going to talk to just anybody. You know, we want to be sure that we talk to people who actually understand us and that who actually get it. We don't got to explain stuff all the time and over and over and over again. So I became a therapist for us. And so that's that's what I do. I, I treat trauma and help folks deal with stuff that they don't know how to deal with or they are afraid to address. I love it. Do you see people from out of state as well? Because I know no, we are always looking for black male therapists. No, not at the moment. Not at the moment. I want to keep my license. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go off the street lines. We're going to need you to get internationally licensed. So with therapists, actually, you're only able to practice in the state you live in. Is that correct? No, you can. Um, so if you get licensed in another state, you can practice in that state. Okay. So you you get you'll get several therapists. You know, like from down here, like you might have a therapist who can practice in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and then New York, or Virginia. You know, somewhere around those lines. So because so pants in the bar, you you have to mm-hmm. be certified in the state that you're practicing that in. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, come on out to Oregon. There's a need for you out there here. There is a huge need. You win <laughs> all of these coins out here, I promise you. Hey, hey, don't y'all threaten me with a good time. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so, Drew, we had a good conversation off camera previously about your history and your story and why you are kind of so passionate about making sure that men have safe spaces and support. And I kind of want to give you a space to kind of just share 
what you feel like about your history and where you're at right now. So if you got to understand, uh, I took a, I was in a life trajectory to like go in a certain stratosphere, right? And that ended up going a totally different way. Nope. That spaceship crash and it was, it was crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I'm in the throes of like the struggle and I'm like 36 years old and I'm really realizing that like, bro, the selfish like mindset that I was living, mm -hmm. I actually wasn't even a man. Like I was making decisions based on myself when I had kids, I had people that I was responsible for, mm -hmm. and I was still making selfish decisions that only affected me. And I wasn't thinking about the things greater than me. And so then I look back at like the things that I idolized or the men that I looked up to. I was just like, man, there's a point in my life where uh, whether I was 16 and I got my license, I thought I was a man. I might have got some pussy, and I was like, "Oh, I'm definitely a man." Made it. Right. <laughs> I turn I turn 18, and then 21, and and, and all those things like accumulate. Now you're 25, and, and you know this, that, and the third. I got an apartment, this, you know. So all those things you accumulate that to saying like, "Oh, I'm a man," but until you're like ready to decide that, um, you'll make the right choice for the decisions that are going to benefit the people that depend on you. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that people can say that they're a man until they're ready to make those choices. And what were, so what were some of the characteristics of the people that you idolized back in the day? You grew up in a single parent home mm -hmm. that you don't see a lot of love mm -hmm. and you don't see a lot of like, uh, just like, I'm talking about that 1970s, 1980s, like, these people have been married for 20 years and they're celebrating the silver anniversary and that type of thing. If you don't see that in your household mm -hmm. and you got a single parent, you might not see a relationship from your mom forever. You're right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You might not see, you might not see your mom ever date a dude because she's scared to bring that dude to this household. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so when you see broken homes and I grew up in one, um, the people that I idolized were the people that made money. The, the people that were clouded in the community, the people that were popular, mm -hmm. the people that were in a trajectory to like, oh man, I'm, I don't, excuse my life, the people that were fucking a lot of girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are the things like, the, 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 well, it's absolutely, yes. The, the best, the best player on yeah, the football Yeah, the best player on the football team, right? The best player in yeah. the basketball team. The, the, the D-boy that had the most money and the best car. Those are the things you idolize when you don't have a solid foundation of a man consistently in your life. Yeah. So you're searching for it in all different aspects, mm -hmm. whether it's an uncle over here, whether it's a cousin that's getting money, whether it's the best basketball player on another team and you're just looking at him like, man, that's who I want to be like. And then you don't even understand like the dynamic that that person's going through or what it takes for you to be that. But then, like, now that I look back at it, like, mm -hmm. that's not it. Right. <laughs> Was it like that for you growing up? Did you have a similar experience? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, the, the thing about it is, like, the, the stuff that you was just talking about, it was, like, you, you the dudes who was fucking all the girls who was getting all this, you know, you, you don't have a positive relationship. You don't see what it looks like. You don't know what love looks like. And like these dudes that we looked up to that we wanted to be like, they had yeah, they shit together. Either. Right. And if you would have, 
you know, and that's the thing. If you if you would ask the people that they was fucking what type of dude they were, they probably tell you today shit. You know, and for and for some reason we would think that that was who we wanted to be just because they had all these things. We're not thinking about all of that. You know, um, I <laughs> it's it's so it's so funny. You know, for, as soon as he start talking about we don't get the idea of what relationships look like. That's a true damn story. I didn't know what a relationship looked like. I can't tell you how many dudes I've seen come to the house, you know, um, or how many uh, fr- how many chicks that my cousins would have come over to the house or do all of this kind of stuff. It was nothing was ever healthy. I think I had maybe three uncles that were married and still are. And everybody else had like you know girlfriends and all this kind of stuff that you've seen is like they make babies, don't make families. Right. So in time, no doubt. And that was, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was so that was the note about masculinity and, and manhood. It's like so for both of y'all having been in a single parent home, having these ill fitted role models. How did that um, impact how you viewed what being a man was? What you were? What your goals were as far as? you know, trying to achieve what that look was. Like, what did you do to try to achieve those? The difference was is that I had some uncles that were like solid married men that worked great jobs and that been married still today, right? Mm-hmm. But the other cousins and other people that the flash was greater than the substance, I attracted my mind to that because I was so young and I was so immature. Like, so, the, so an uncle, great uncle, Still married today. Mm-hmm. Great job. Successful man. Solid character. Stand-up guy, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm 15, that sounds corny. That sounds dumb. So resonate. Not yet. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds a like nine to five at that time when I'm when I'm 16, 17. Right. So that that doesn't. But then when my cousin comes with a stack of money, I don't know where it came from. And he's right. got some little floozy that he's rolling up with that's probably gonna turn fag in like two more days. You know what I'm saying? Like that looked attractive to me in the onset. Okay. You know what I mean? And then also you got to understand like when you're a good athlete, mm. there's amazing a, athlete. There's a, there's a certain, there's a certain trajectory that that has for you too. Right. And that puts you in a certain lifestyle and category. That's like, I was going to say, because they... you played ball in college right. too. I mean, when you say you're an athlete, you're an athlete, you had scholarship, you yeah. were an athlete. Yeah. So like that, gotcha. that dynamic changes the things too, because then you're celebrated in a way that like, also misogynistically makes you they put you here versus like what actually they say student athlete but it's athlete student yeah mm. you know and, what i mean and it's celebrityism i mean like you yeah. you kind of get this boost of people know my name i've never met them but they know me and so, it literally like fills your ego right yeah i mean in, okay. the, in the height of it she knows like when benson and jeff were going at it and we're in the in the midst of mm-hmm. like uh portland uh athletics i mean it's we're on the superior level of like a lot of things and so just those things in all like it changed the view of like to me being the man is like if you can pay all your bills right now Mm -hmm. you can take care of the things that you can take care of you can set aside a couple of dollars for yourself you can take your family on a trip Mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about you, you won right (laughs) <laughs> that's success a lot of adults view it as dang i'm broke but you really paid all your bills and you're doing good i mean you're right. like i mean 
the, the lifestyle that people dream about, mm -hmm. that's not reality. Right. So for either of you, I mean, understanding that you're able to articulate your thought process from young men to now adult men, was there an actual aha moment or day for you that you were finally like, I get it, this ain't it, and I'm ready to make a change? Um, I think for me, it was it, becoming a father. Um, my dad wasn't, my dad wasn't around, um, you know, but when I became a dad, I was like, why the hell would no father want to be around their kid? I can't imagine not being, a, not having my kids or not being in their life in some way, shape, form or fashion. You know, although, you know, I'm not with their mom anymore. She's remarried and living the best life. We co-parent very well. I get along with her. We're her husband and we're all at the kids games. And, you know, I want to do that. I want to be there. You know, we have this idea of what a man should be, you know, growing up. And, you know, I, I, I think my view of what a man is has changed. You know, when I, when I think of what a man is, I think about my uncle Tom. Like my uncle Tom was, you know, old school, grew up. Uncle Tom couldn't read. Uncle um, Tom couldn't do, you know, he couldn't read, he couldn't really write, right? But he he cut down wood for the for the wood burner stove at the house. He had his own farm, grew, you know, had his own animals and stuff. He did. That's the, he, that's what he did. You know, that was his thing. He taught he he would take us to do stuff. I remember him picking us up at fucking. It was dark <laughs> on a Saturday morning. Come on, boy, get in the back of this truck. Ride in the back of a pickup truck on the four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning on the Saturday, going to cut down trees so we can have supply for the daggone winter. You know, and he would always be there for his family. He's like, family was always first. That's what that's what it was. He's like, he's gonna do what he can to take care of his family. That's what he does. That's what that's the role model that I had um to be to be a man. Now, growing up. I couldn't, I couldn't emulate him because he lived on the farm. I lived in the trailer park. I didn't have all of this stuff. And I was raised by my grandma. My grandma taught me how to raise a household, you know? And then if you see that, you know, people would, if I go by the definition of what my uncle Tom was, I wouldn't be considered a man because I ain't cut down trees. I ain't do all of that kind of stuff. I, I didn't work on cars and then do all of that. I was an academic, hmm. you know? And that's what I was pushed towards. But when it came down to it, all my friends know I was solid. I was the dude that they could come to if they needed something. Um, they, I was trusted to raise my cousins and look after my cousins and my brother and everybody who was after me because I was responsible. Um, whenever something needed to get done, I was the one that was called to get it done. Mm -hmm. Now, was that you the know? thing for you? Because you have a little different... No, so uh, what I was going to piggyback off of what you were saying is, is fatherhood is is what you believe made that, but me being, not being able to be a father is what was my awakening because I had to sit down. I had to sit down for almost eight years. And so when that was taken away from me and yeah. and I'm I'm living that pain of like seeing my kids and, 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 and living through pictures and video visits and phone calls, that was what awakened my like true manhood to be like, 
Hey, bro, you got to live differently, bro. Yeah. You're selfish, bro. Like, yeah. you're really moving foul. Like, you know, and so it's a trip to hear that, like, obviously you having kids is what changed you, but then me not being able to be a father is what changed me. When I already had right. it. I, I had right. that, and then when right. it was taken from me, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this ain't it, bro. Yeah. So just to clarify, yeah. sitting down means time away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prison. Def- 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 <laughs> For the square people that don't know street lingo. <laughs> yeah. right. So right. you was, you said you were um, away for how long? Seven years and 10 months. Okay. Yeah. And and when you and I had talked, you had mentioned that coming out of that experience was difficult because you had to quickly get back into being a dad, like almost instantly. Yeah. So um, I have an amazing support system with my mom and my sister and the mother of my son, and unfortunately, the uh, mother of my daughter passed away while I was in prison, and and you know, oh, was here. and so that was tough. But um, reintegrating yourself into your kids' lives after being gone for so long, there's just certain things that like dynamics that they're just used to that you're just not a part of. Right. Like I just didn't teach them that, so they know it differently than like how I could teach them. Mm-hmm. So like you take a simple task as like tying your shoes and. I'm like bunny ears through the loophole, and, but but they know it. They know it differently. It might right. be around the truck and through the, you know, what I mean? it's, it's 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 just so it's just right. it's just something. There's just something different, right? And so like those things, like and then and then too, if you if you take 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 away reintegrating, right? They've looked at me like Disneyland dad. So when they come see me, it's like, of course we're in visiting. Like let's go get cakes and candies and all this right. stuff. And so so yeah. now when they come see me, it's like, dad, can we ice cream mm-hmm. on a yeah. school night? when we got to do homework right. and go to bed, you know what I mean? And so their 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 mindset of associating with me has like been different. And so when you reintegrate and like try to establish like an authoritative figure when there's been a village raising this kid and they've been disciplined a uh, 10 different ways from uncle, auntie, grandma, grandma, great grandma, you know what I mean? And now dad comes home and they're like there's dad but then they see dad as like. But they know you as something different. I mean, they know you yeah. as dad, but they don't know the version of dad that you want to be in that moment because you haven't had a chance to physically be present. Let me tell you something. A lot of people don't know this. I went to prison before my son was a month old. I've never spent a birthday with him until I got out. And so, like, my integration with him always has been in prison. So he knows nothing different than seeing me behind a wall like sitting across from a table from me, barely being able to hug him. And like me might go get some Skittles and play with Tonka trucks and, you know, transformers. And so like me, the fact that my family was able to like make sure that was cool is the only saving grace for like this time now. And so like, he really only understands me in a certain way. So knowing that your children were very small, obviously, when you went in, um, what were conversations like amongst the adults, you and the village that was helping raise your children? What was the conversation to explain where you were, why you were there, and what did you decide was age appropriate for them to comprehend? When they were able to understand, I said that I never wanted to be able to feel that my kids said that I lied to them. So when they could understand... We had the conversation and as fucked up as it was in visiting the cries and the tears and all that stuff, we just had it out <laughs> and moving forward. We were just like, dad did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. This is what it is. I'm going to be here for this time. 
at the early ages of like say maybe she's seven she's seven and he's and he's four okay okay so then can i ask a question real quick because yeah. I'm, I'm really curious about this so so what's what's it like for you guys now so i my daughter lives with me now okay and and everything is cool like i mean as as cool as like obviously everything they can be but we had we we had a bond before I left, so it's different with her. Right. But right. my son lives with his mom, and he comes mm-hmm. over as as frequently as he needs to. There's no court things involved. It's like an amazing co-parenting relationship. He's married, Correct. doing their thing. Just same, same as you. Cool, cool, yeah, yeah. Situation. I'm cool with her. Right. And, um, so everything is cool like that, and the bond right. is still there. And, like, my family did an amazing job. They came and see me once a month, and like we had video visits mm-hmm. and phone calls, and like everything was on the up and up. So, in that regard, it was all good. Right. So, and that's and that's one of the things, man. It's like I love hearing that because how many times do you hear, "Oh, my baby mama ain't shit," or "My baby daddy ain't shit," and both of us here talking about how well we co-parent, you know, with and that's partners. another thing about masculinity, and another thing about manhood is that yeah, because your baby mom or my baby mom got married now we gotta feel some type of way right and that ain't it it's not, it's not even a thing if, like, if she's happy that's gonna be yes that's what's mom. important exactly yes exactly. yes i want like i look my thing is like i want her to be happy and if it's not with me okay hey i'm i got my faults i got my flaws but as you know but the thing about it is i can still it's not going to affect how I treat my children or how when it comes down to what's best for them, what we're going to do to communicate to make that stuff happen. So, you, you know, both, um, you both mentioned that you have really great, solid co-parenting relationships uh, with your children's mom. Each of the moms have now found new partners and that what was the um, what was the conversations like when it came to working with the other man who's also a part of this co-parenting triangle for both of you in the boundaries that are set, the expectations that you have, maybe you would discipline something a different way. How do, do I understand the mom part? How is it in right. your masculinity co-parenting with another man? So um, for me, it's just like, I, uh, I had this thing where I wanted to meet the person before they are around our children. Because it's just like, just because you think they're a good person, it's just like, all right, you you might be a little skewed right now because of, you know, this is a new person. Oh, I'm so smitten. <laughs> I don't know this dude from matter. And if I bring someone around the kids, I'm going to let you meet them first. That's a rule that I have. You know, I'm, if I'm going to introduce, if I'm going to be around someone and have somebody around the kids, I want you to know who they are so you can see for yourself that I'm not going to have have him any kind of danger. So he and I, we met and we talked um, and it was good because it, it, the way that I found out about him was kind of suspect. And I told him about it. He was like, I'd be mad too. He said, I, I'd be mad if I found out about me that way too. And so, and, but we talked about it and we, you know, they got married. He told me right then and there, I said, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to ask her to marry me. I was like, okay, that's wonderful. I've heard this before, but okay. Damn. Um, but we sat and we talked, and you know it was cool. Whatever. Now I ain't go. I came front. I, I was a little in the beginning, you know, but because this is like I wasn't. I wasn't quite over it yet. 
you know, it took a lot of my own therapy, my own work to get to this point, you know, um, and they got married the day that I graduated from grad school. Dang, you can't even have a day to shine. It couldn't even have been about you that day. <laughs> like, come on, man. You like, I got to share this. Pretty. Oh, so, but, um, but, but it took, you know, some years and stuff for us to work through it. And like, he and I talk, you know, I'm in his phone, he's in my phone. You know, whatever we do stuff with the kids is, hey, if you need some help with anything, let me know. Like, he knows that ultimately it's going to come down to she and I about what happens with them. Um, like, he has some input, but the final say comes to us. And it's just like, when it comes to, when it comes to, as far as the discipline and stuff goes, I think all of us are on the same page when it comes to this. When it comes to this, like, we'll take stuff away. We'll, we'll discuss amongst ourselves about what we will and what we won't do. Um, ultimately it comes down to what she and I want and we have to be on the same page and if some if one of us is like hey I need to hear your side let me hear what you think I don't agree let's let's try to meet somewhere in the middle um and when it comes to him he's just like he's like yo um if I need to do something here that you're doing at your house let me know and I'm like okay and if y'all are doing something over there that I'm doing different let me know let's get on the same page so when it comes to the discipline piece but when it comes to the encouragement piece, all of us are doing the same thing. And what about for you? Uh, I, I'll just just a quick thing on the yep. discipline and like the like just for example, like homework thing. Like we're definitely dialed in. Like if she's she has something going on over there and like he's grounded or like we have a bedtime at this time and we're yep. on the same page as that. Now, his circumstances will be different to mine. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. I'm behind the wall and I find this stuff out. So I meet Buddy through a video visit. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little bit different. Yeah. But like at the time, like I'm in I'm in my personal personal growth stage and I'm like understanding, like, hey, look, what is there that I could like really like why would I be mad if, if mm -hmm. he's gonna take on this responsibility and like do X, Y, and Z? Like this is just gonna be another asset in our village. At the same time, of course, I felt some type of way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, or I mean, too. You know what I mean? I felt like, you know, Jody when Snoop came home. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and I thought he was going to be like on some fuck your four type of shit. Like, <laughs> fuck your like, four. That's, that, that's, that's you what I'm feeling. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, I'm behind the wall. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, but he ended up being cool. And like, to be honest, like, every. Like all the conversations with me and him have never been anything weird. Like we all show up to games together, we have birthday parties together, and like all that stuff. And so it's all good, but it just the circumstances behind, like just like you, it was it was funny. It was funny when it all shaped out because it it, it kind of blindsided me too. And then all of a sudden, you know, baby, marriage, this, that, the third, and it's like, oh damn. Now, when you got out since. You said that your son was super duper young when you went in, right? Yeah. So essentially he kind of stepped in and played that role. So was it difficult for you to kind of regain that father role back? No. Because okay. he always he always called him by his name. And he oh, was just like dad, dad, dad. dad, uh -huh. dad. Okay. And there was no like there was no difference in the like if he was gonna just be dad and then like I'm um, Drew or dad. Yeah, I'm Snoop. Yeah, I was. I was. I mean, yeah, I wasn't gonna be Snoop, but um, yeah, yeah. No, there was there was nothing, never nothing like that. Okay. Yeah, but like the same just not as weird. Like the 
the people in my life, like my mom and even even the mother of my son uh-huh. and my sister and everything spoke so much life into me, like as a father and like the way that like they brought them to the institution to see me. Right. Like there was no confusion about like who I was versus who okay. he was. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So. And not everybody has that. So that's really dope that you guys both have a good co-parenting experience. Because mm-hmm. I don't, we don't hear that a lot sometimes. And I know for another friend of ours, their um the current husband because the 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 actual biological dad was out of the lives for a while came back around got his stuff together and the current like husband is like feeling some kind of way because he had to step in take care be the dad while you were out fucking off and then now you want to come back in and be daddy and i got to respect that and so they do butt heads a little bit and so i feel like i see that you know more often than not so hearing this is like a good thing and i wonder if this is actually the more common thing that people just don't talk about. No, I was just gonna say to you, speak speak to the fact that like this is something like like when you're secure with your manhood, like this whole topic and redefining manhood and masculinity, like we're able to be okay with the fact that the person that we might have had a relationship with, we might have loved at one point, we might have been engaged with, might have been married to at one point, moved on, right? And they're now they're happy, but the best version of themselves is going to make sure yep. that they're the best mom for our kids. Yeah. And so, like, there's, yep. a lot of, not a, there's not a lot of guys that are be able to accept that and be like, I'll let her go do her thing. And they hold on to, the, like, a resentment. Like, they want to just still love her. And, like, it, it's weird. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's, it's, 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 that, it's that ego. And, like, how many of us aren't doing our work to actually get to that point, to actually get to that place? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, you know, because you, you think about, you know, like, 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 let's be real. The the shit that a lot of us have to deal with on a daily basis, right? We, 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 we put so much thought into, I maybe this biggest, baddest, toughest, no emotion field dude in the damn planet. Ain't shit going to affect me. I'm going to get all this damn ass. I'm going to have all this damn big ass car, this big ass house. And all of this shit, and you empty as hell. When you got, you got, you got no personality. You have no, no room for space for anyone or anything in your life other than you. You know, and it's just like I got all this. I got all this. I got, this is what I got. Why you want this dude over here? Because he's a good father. He provides. He's there. So he's he's. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're fine. I, I'd be feeling like I'm cutting off because I'd be like, want to jump in on that. You'd be talking, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, are we ready? Um, but no. But I feel like what you described as like that big machoism is like what most people consider alpha male, um, and that bravado is like what is attractive to people. But it's really, I I feel I find that a lot of women don't like that as a partner. Like they're attracted to it, but it's not what they're looking for. So is there, is there a clear def- definition of what alpha male is versus? Beta, beta male, <laughs> sigma. Beta. I, I like. I hate the fucking term. I hate the term because okay. the dude who actually came up with it said it shouldn't be even damn a thing. Oh. <laughs> so and it's just like it's all this shit's like oh, I'm an alpha male. Of oh, who? Where's your pack? Right. You know where's your pack? Ain't and it's, it's a wolf, right? And the what? Ain't the what it's supposed to come from? Come from wolf? Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. so ro- wolves are raised up in the pack. I heard, I heard Drew talking about you know he had a village, 
right? It's a village of people just helping, not just with you, but with your family. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Is there one leader or is it the whole village? But in 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 the pack, in the pack, like when you when you speak about alpha male, like true sense of it, when they speak about lions, the lioness is actually the leader of it all. That's X. And so like as as strong as that I am, like I, I need someone else. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So like the determination of an alpha male, this bravado and like this like strong standing, like yeah. it, it just is not it's not reality like in the way that oh. like the description of it like is depicted. You know what I mean? And like people get a false sense of security. Like the alpha male is like, I got to stand up for this and I got to be strong and I got to have the most money and I got to do this and I got to have the most bitches. Like that is, man, that's so outdated. It's not even reality. Right? Man, say it again. Tell, <laughs> say it again <laughs> say it for, for the people, ones bro. in the back. Man. Yeah, yeah so why? This, this is... Yeah, if you're an alpha, keep going. Keep going. You're 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 taking care of your village, and and you're doing the things that are necessary for survival and also the betterment of like your community and like your actual family. Like the loudest person in the room is usually the weakest. Ooh, I know that. I know that's true. Right. No, I feel you on that. So with talking about that then are gender roles important to men and why as far as like if you make more money than me or not even like girls gen like gender roles like um the role you play in a relationship or the role that you play in society like as a man like typically um i don't know i, I guess it comes down to submissive and dominant um mm -hmm. you know like when we think about gender roles people say that they want their wife soft and um, pregnant and barefoot <laughs> pregnant uh Follows command without question. And uh -huh. so when we think of gender roles as providers, um, do you believe in traditional gender roles or is it more about simple compatibility and equal partnership? You want to go first? Or you want me to take it? I feel, I feel like you got a strong, I feel like you got a strong weight. I, I don't, I don't believe in traditional gender roles because I wasn't raised in one. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was taught to do everything. <laughs> so, you know, I, Drew said earlier, he said, you know, I will, I would love to have some help, help me. But just because, you know, if just because I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm the man in the relationship doesn't mean that it's got to change. I like that voice. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta, you know, gotta, gotta make it applicable. Right. Um, but no, but just because I'm the man in the relationship doesn't mean that I can't be supportive. Doesn't mean that I don't need your support. It doesn't mean that I have to, I got to, I, I got to do all of this. I got to go to work and provide. And that's all I got to do. You got to take care of everything else. Because sometimes everybody say like the marriage is like 50, 50, right? Man, it's, never, it's not. It's never 50, 50. <laughs> never 50, 50. Sometimes it's going to be 20, 80. Sometimes it's going to be 60, 40. And Who's who's ever carrying that role is going to change from day to day. So how can you have those general roles in place when whoever might be the provider for that day might change based on circumstances? What happens? What happens if I lose my job? Right? Am I supposed to be the provider and I ain't got no money? But right, so but she kind of has she, placed that on us that 
if you're a man, you got to be the provider. So, and we're talking about redefining manhood, right? So, like, well, what I'm saying is, yeah. if you're comfortable, like, if right. if me and X got in a relationship, right, mm-hmm. and she makes $120,000 right. a year, and I make $45,000 a year, mm-hmm. and now we have this conversation that says, hey, look, I grind, I got this amount of money, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. there's not a problem with that. Right. If it means that I got to stay home some days and work part time and I got to do the pickup and drop offs mm-hmm. and I got to take them to practice and do this and do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like these are conversations all- you're with your person mm-hmm. that all that masculinity, that shit's out the window. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's just this is the circumstance of your relationship. Right. Like and so people putting it as like. Oh man, that nigga's a bitch, or like whatever the circumstance is, mm-hmm. because he don't yep. make enough money. He's sitting at home, but the, but like, look, we're a team, and yep. don't nobody know what we got going on. Don't exactly. nobody know about our game plan. <laughs> don't nobody need to know about what we got going on. Exactly, because our union is cool. That's it. Exactly. So yeah. how do we how do we change the views of that? Like what you're saying is saying that society and media and how they portray men being the provider and all those things, there's not an accurate statement to what a successful relationship looks like. So no. how do we change that definition or how do we provide that space to where we can make that the normal thing, the normal conversation? The because normal. the women that are in those circumstances got to speak up and say that I got a real man that's taking a backseat to me or whatever to our family, not even to her, to like our union and and, and appreciate that. Like, you're never going to go on social media and say, like, I got a solid man that knows that I got an amazing career and that he's doing every single thing that I need him to do. And it's good. So women need to speak up a little bit more in support of um, accepting that your your provider doesn't have to be your financial provider. They can provide in other ways. And it needs to come from the women to explain that a little better. Right. And not only that, though, is is like, Society ain't paying my damn bills. Society ain't in my house. Society, society don't know what the hell, you know, we do from day by day to keep shit going. Right. You know what I mean? You got a blended family and you got one baby mom over here and I got two kids from her and now I'm married over here and she makes more money than me and we're trying to figure everybody's not involved in all those kind of things and they don't understand like how good of a man you are to keep that together. Yeah. She might have kids over here and all that stuff. And so like those kind of things just like, yep. Hinder like the actual, like mind frame of like a good man. Yep. So knowing that, that each of you are absolutely on the same page of, um, traditional gender roles just really aren't where it's at. What are things that women do that turn you off? <laughs> what are your turn offs? <laughs> oh. Um, I know, Brady. I feel like you got a whole story. No, no, no. It's so this is one of the things about me. This is and 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 I am trying to do better about it. It's something I've been working on. Um and just trying to not offend when I say stuff. Like I'll stop myself because I'm trying to like nope, don't think do it through in your head before he said. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> all the damn time. Um, so no, uh, I don't know, man. I, I hate the. We 
gonna pass this to Drip. Go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna go. We gonna give y'all this intellectual talk. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna. I, I got it. It's just like <laughs> shit. Just don't. It just don't sit right. You know. I, mean? I don't. I don't like. I don't like. I mean. I don't like real right ratchet. I don't. I don't like ratchet ass shit. Hey, that's not offensive uh, at all. And so and so and so like when I when I hear you say that, like my piggyback is that like, um. Every, every girl wants a guy that's stable or that's together or that's like a established or all those things but if you say all those words in order mm -hmm. that doesn't say money right somebody nope. might be emotionally established somebody might be emotionally like mm -hmm. and all those things but people associate that with money so now i'm yep. not a good dude or i'm not your type yep. and all those kind of things because i'm i don't have a maserati or i don't have like all those things but at the end of the day you want somebody that's emotionally connected, somebody that can actually connect with you and that's emotionally yep. available yep. for you. But yep. you, you're advertising that, but you also are saying, if you don't got money, you're not for me. Right. No, Lee and I <laughs> imagine. And that is terrible to me. We talked right. about this in a previous episode last season where we talked about usually most women are looking for stability mm -hmm. and stability does not necessarily mean financial stability. Mm -hmm. But they need to feel safe. They need to have a safe space. They need to feel like they right. can connect with you. And absolutely, that goes beyond monetary value. Right. So. No doubt. So, but the thing about it, though, I think a, a big a big problem about that is, is like, when you hear it, when you get that, you feel that sense of safety. You feel that sense of comfort around somebody. It's just like, I don't know, Drew, I don't know if you've experienced this or not. I've been told I make a lot of people feel safe. I make a lot of people feel comfortable. That's your whole profession. I'm gonna say you, 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 know, you went to school for this. For this. <laughs> I did, I did, but this shit was happening before I did it. Okay. But um, but no, but at the same time though, it's just like that to a lot of people that leads to boring. That that means I'm boring, or that means I don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize that because if we go a certain place and it doesn't work then that person is going to say this about me or he's going to do this to me because all these other dudes who have these masculine issues are fucking it up for everybody else who's actually trying to get into, you know, trying to be in a relationship, who's actually trying to be with people. The horror stories that I hear from my homegirls about what these dudes be doing, I'm like, oh, you Well, if you've listened to our show. Oh, I'm yeah, sure I know. You I was, I was, I was, I was sitting there crying. I was like, "Damn, dudes, still do that." y'all? <laughs> and they're by my stories. I'll say, yeah, we're gonna get into mine later, but you know, what is wrong with y'all? Oh, this is going in a whole nother direction. But I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. When I talk to people, they feel comfortable talking to me. But then, look, this is something totally off topic. But colorism comes into effect. Mm, we, oh, oh, you, 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 you a light skin. Well, no, you're the same, and then and then it go and then yeah. it goes that direction. Yeah, yeah. Light skin, softer, like type of nigga, and like is you yeah. know what I mean. And I had that demeanor, and I got a softer yeah. voice, and you know those kind yeah. of things. So that also happens too. Yeah. So I do get the aspect that like I do make people comfortable, but it also comes yeah. with the caveat like, oh, that's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you got light skin energy. Light skin energy. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got a lot of drink. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Bars and right. Right. I got, I got <laughs> you know that. But I do, I want to ask, so you, you mentioned like being safe, right? So what does a safe space for a man look like um, from a woman? Mm. Listening. Like, don't 
Sometimes I just need you to listen. I don't need you to try to fix it. I need you to just listen and be present. And like, let me get what's off of my chest, off of my chest. You know, just because I think a lot of times, you know, oh, we need to talk about this right now. No, let me, give me, give me some space first. Because if I, because if I, because if I talk to you right now and I'm angry, I'm going to yell and that's not going to do anything because you're going to respond back with that same kind of energy. Let me cool off. And then I'll come back to talk to you. That's one way. So what he, what he, just what he's saying is that like, when a, when a man has a problem, sometimes, uh, emotionally, we're not like equipped to deal with it in the, in the emotional moment. And so if you ask me if something's wrong, all of my anger and all of my tension, every single thing that's going on with me is going to lash out at you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So, so what we're asking is, is that like, you understand that something's visibly wrong with me. Give me the time. And a lot of people, and a lot of women are like, you don't want to talk to me. This. Yep. This right now. Like (laughs) give, give, give me, give me the space to just like cool out and then collectively like, come to you in a way that I can like articulate what I'm actually trying to say without you feeling like you're going to be defensive for how aggressive I'm going to sound like. And that's, that's the problem is that like when men talk about problems in the heat of the moment, it sounds like it's directed at you Mm -hmm. and women don't understand that. Like, I'm not trying to direct this at you. This is something that I'm feeling. And like, I need a moment to like, just separate myself from you I know you're trying to support me. I get that, but I need just a second for me. Yeah. So I can process this and then like I can deliver actually what I'm actually trying to say to you so that you can actually help me. Yep. Cause I So let me add you little. No, no, no. You didn't know you're good. No, I was gonna add on to that, man. Is is like cause you know, we have this tendency to deal with stuff by not dealing with it. And what we'll do is like we'll continue to push stuff down, pile stuff up on top of it, push it down possible stuff on top of it because that's what we're supposed to do we're not supposed to have emotions right we're not supposed to have feelings we're not supposed to let anything bother us but we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders right so the thing about it is it's just like and i talk about i talk about this in sessions you know if you take a a, a soda that you drink you shake that you shake that can of soda up and you open it up what's gonna happen explosion it's gonna explode on you right now why does you take that same can of soda you open up in a group of people it gets all over everyone's bit. Everybody, right? That's how anger works. That's how our frustrations work. That's how all this stuff builds up, especially when it comes to men, because we don't have that space to do it. So when you're fussing at us or, or if we have an issue and people wonder why, you know, somebody might come in and say, hey, Blaze, how you doing? I might be like, get my face, boss, slap the shit out. <laughs> that's a right? I should be fussing. That's not... <laughs> Right, but that's but that's not like the thing about it is a lot of times we're not angry at you. We're angry at something that happened yesterday, something happened last week, something happened last month, something happened last year. You know, and so a lot of men aren't allowed that space to actually do that kind of stuff because a lot of times what happens is if you do try to talk about something, it's minimized. And let me say something real fast. Yeah. So so here's here's another thing too. So if, if I come to you like in a, like a way that I'm like trying to express the fact that I have a problem and you even interrupt, interject, 
don't feel the same energy. Now I stuff that, right? And so now, so now, now, now the next time that I have it, I don't even come to you now. Nope. Now I, now I go, now I go totally somewhere different and yep. all, all my energy is directed. So now, now there's a disconnect between how me and you process each yep. other's problems. So yep. now there's a bigger space. So now I got problems over here. You got problems yep. way over here. And so now if we actually do come to a head, just like he's saying that can of soda, now it's everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, everybody. Interesting. And so, and it's, yeah. So, and that's, that's the thing. So, you know, one of the things that, that I have caught myself doing is like, if I'm, I'm finding myself getting, you know, upset, I take some really deep breaths, you know, and I'll, before I do it, and I just kind of like let everything fall because a lot of times what we'll do, we'll walk around with so much tension, like our shoulders are up here. Or walk around like with the ice cube scowl or working on their own tooth long shit trying to talk. Not the ice and cube. And a lot scowl. of you know. So but like that's the thing though. So but if we just allow that when either of you start I, meeting um someone new that you're interested in and you're aware of your communication styles, do you ever talk to your significant about the best form of communication for you? Because while I'm sitting here listening to each of you talk about what works best for you, from my own experience, unfortunately, I haven't had um, the same type of energy of how the guy wants to communicate with me. It's more, I don't want the breath. I want to talk about this now. I don't want to process. And where I'm the one that's saying, let's chill for a second. Let's get our thoughts together. There's no need to tear each other apart because we're having a difference of opinion but that wasn't his energy. So I recognize how he likes to argue and I'm hearing how the two of you process uh, disagreements. Do you talk to your uh, your partner about your style of communication when you don't agree on something? Or do you just let them figure it out and get to know you? No, I, th I think I think it's more of a, a, just of a learning process. Obviously, when you're in the throes of like the, a new relationship, like everything's like we're on cloud nine, we're on Disney. Oh yeah. We're, you know what I mean? And so when it actually comes to those things, then you see some triggers of that person and you're like, okay. And then, mm -hmm. then you understand, okay. you know what I mean? And then now, now we move forward and the next time that happens, then you're saying like, hey, look, now we have the conversation. Like, I understand that this triggered that. Mm -hmm. Like, you've told me that your past relationships are X, Y, and Z. So let's not bring that toxicness into this and not, don't hold me accountable for that because I'm trying to be something different. So let's understand the difference between that situation and like what I'm trying to explain to you, you know, and vice versa. So it, you you can explain every every single thing that you want to do to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But until the actual situation is happening, mm -hmm. you can't yep. even like understand like how that reaction is going to be or how you can actually like talk to that person in that moment. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Most people think that they heal from something that happened to them. Until you get triggered. Until you get triggered. And then now, now yeah. you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just put a band-aid on a shotgun. Room. No, <laughs> no, no doubt. Yeah, it's like, it just they need stitches. <laughs> um, that toxicity from previous relationships, right? So uh, we hear a lot about to toxic masculinity. So... What do you think toxic masculinity is, or is it a thing, or is it an overused phrase? Damn near everything is becoming an overused phrase. Anything, it's just that's all these things are hot buzzwords. 
Um, you know, and people just throw them around like, oh, everybody's doing this, everybody's doing that. Um, but as far as toxic masculinity goes, it's just like just dudes are have to be this big, strong, you know, masculine type, do what the hell I say, no emotions, women are beneath me. Sit down, shut the fuck up, I'm in charge. That's toxic masculinity. In my in my and in my opinion. So and I, I think that's I think there's a lot of dudes who do that and they are subtle with it, but then some are really blatant about the shit. Like really blatant about the shit. And people and people make it okay because they're just telling it like it is. Uh I just think that that those kind of messages are just the people that are the most insecure about like their circumstances. You guys understand like uh, being gone for as long as I was uh, trying to uh, like stay dialed into my kids and my family, like that toxic, uh, toxic masculinity was everywhere. Right. So I got one foot in the door, one foot out the door. I'm talking to my kids or I'm leaving a, a visit in in-person visiting and they're crying. I'm crying too. You know what I'm saying? So like I, that washed all that away from me. But then you see other dudes that's walking like super hard from the visit when their kids are crying. I'm like, bro, what are we even talking about, bro? Like this, like if you can't show that emotion, like to me, that is a weakness to me. Mm. Like to be emotionally present with whether it's your girl, your kids, your mom, you're at a scene, like whatever it is, that's that's weakness to me. Yeah, right. So the fact that toxic masculinity makes it so that you can't cry or you can't be emotional or you can't be vulnerable or you can't have a teacup party with your daughter <laughs> and you, all, and you can't have Cupcake Tuesdays with your girl, like all them, it, yeah. that's, that's weak to me. Yeah. Is there such thing as toxic femininity? Because we definitely don't hear that buzz at all. Much. If I, it's I, like they, it's like it's almost like women. If, you, if, you're, if you're trying to be too independent and, and you got to stand on something, and like you, I don't need a man, but I want a good man, and mm-hmm. like that, that type of shit. That's like that's the same anyway. way. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it is is like you get told to act like a lady. And all that kind of stuff too is just like, oh, like man, yeah, all that kind of stuff too is just like, okay, like you know, eh. all this is all this is dumb. I, like, and I think what Drew says is like, it's, it's I think it was made by really insecure ass people, and so, and you know, they're they're speaking really loudly, um, which also shows that they may not be the best people to actually listen to when it comes to shit. Just because you speak loud and talk loud don't mean that you should be there and listen to or heard. Well, now, I believe you have some products, some books. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how we can, if we want to dive into more conversation with you, how we can reach you, what we can find about you? Yes, 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 yes. You can uh, go to my website, uh, Um You can see who I am, what I'm about. You can also find out about my book, Becoming the Dope Black Therapist, which is a memoir of sorts. I love it. Drew, where do people find you if they're interested in connecting? 
Um, I'm on Facebook at just Drew Dukeshire, uh, Instagram at underscore Drew underscore Duke. Um, also, I have Northwest Waste Removal, who's a, a company that I'm doing throughout Northeast Portland and the greater Washington area, removing waste and junk. Which you just started, right? Yeah, just congratulations. What's up, dude? And all that stuff. Um, I'm also training out at the Nike campus, so um, there's just a prevalent of things. But um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity for Leah and Nicole to uh, come talk about something that was uh, near and dear to my heart, for real. We gotta do this again, but uh, Nick B, where can they find you? So I can be found on all Dirty Roses podcast platforms. May that be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. You can find me there. And if you want to reach me personally, indirect, um, on my Instagram page, Nick B underscore Nick B, and that's Nick with a K. And Miss Lee Larie, where can we find you? Y'all can find me everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Lee Larie on every single social media platform. It's L E I G H L A R I E. And of course, DirtyRosesPodcast.com, where you can catch up on all of our seasons. You can hear what we've got going on so far for season three. Um, leave us some feedback. Let us know how it's going for you. And uh, you catch us next time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thank you. Yeah, Guess what, Rose Buddies? We are thrilled to introduce our new sponsorship packages. Be sure to hit us up at DirtyRosesPodcast.com to inquire how we can showcase your brand on our platforms.